We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Children, at this time, you are dismissed. Thanks for worshiping with us and hearing the gospel through the testimonies as well as singing the gospel with us. Wasn't it a joy to just sing about the resurrection? Man, I just love that. Um, man, that, that I raise up hallelujah. Uh, I'll sing in the mystery. Um, because I'm your pastor, I know that a lot of you are in the mystery right now. Um, there are folks who have had surgery, multiple surgeries. Um, <laughs> uh, there are folks who have lost loved ones this week. Um, there are many uh, who are experiencing sick things. Um, there's been um, a few folks who have come to Christ this week. Some children have come to Christ. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, if you if you didn't hear, uh, if you came in a little late, uh, the Hartzels had a baby. So just in one week, we've experienced the spectrum of life and death, um, and uh, and it's a mystery. And I hope that you are encouraged through singing. Um, that really raising up a hallelujah in the process is the only way to do it to cling to his life and death and resurrection. So uh, I'm excited for you guys. If you are wondering about this little flower down here and the hammer, uh, this is our best attempt to honor Caleb John Hartzell in his masculinity. You know, it's a pink flower. So I actually had this big old hammer. I'm, I'm putting it in here and Zane would really like that, you know. So, um, you know, if you have a boy in the future, you just you just let us know and we'll try to, like, make this as masculine as possible. And a girl, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate your femininity. So that's pretty fun. Well, let's let's get started. Parenting. We're in it. This is the last week we are uh, in our foundation series next week. We're going on to Daniel. And so I was joking around with a brother. Um, after this sermon, you'll have everything you need to know about parenting from here on out. We will never have to revisit it again. I know. Isn't that great? Yeah. So like uh, if you ever need just a resource, just like listen to this little little sermon and then you'll be good to go. Just kidding. Right. Parenting is like the best thing that I have ever gotten to take part of. And it is the hardest thing most exhausting thing that I've ever gotten to take part of. Parents, it is so much joy giving and it is so 
Like it's just, it takes everything you've got. And I've just been so grateful to be able to spend some time with you and studying this. Um, parenting, I mean, I, I hope you're seeing that this thing called parenting, it, like at this dinner table, it doesn't have like these white cloth napkins where everything is so clean and like crisp and beautiful and perfect, right? Like last week, we studied to that, that parents are to teach them the words, like the word of God, teach to your children. Like, if you like want a glimpse of what it is like in my own home, like I remember um, when Sophie was like four or five or six, and she said, Daddy, Yoda died on the cross for our sins. And it was like, <laughs> I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, you know? Like, that is so funny and so wrong, you know? My nephew, right? So my brother Dave, who's a pastor, nephew, came to his parents. Mom, Dad, I received Jesus in my heart today. I'm Spider-Man, right? And it's like, how are you supposed to respond to that? It's like so wrong and so exciting. And it's like, what do you do? Like, and that's parenting, isn't it? It's like, Lord, teach me to respond well to these situations and to, to grow and to be Christ-like. It is, it's awesome. It's full of tears. It's full of laughs and full of spankings and hurts and bruises. And it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful process. So two weeks ago, we said, um, hey, dear parents, abide in Christ. We studied John 15. Last week, we said, dear parents, Teach, teach. First week was up and it was in. This week is out to go along with our arrows. This is out parenting. The message of today is going to be from Psalm 127. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there. Psalm 127, verse 4 and 5. I'm sure you know this. This is a familiar passage. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen for you. Let me read it for you. This is verses 4 and 5 from Psalm 127. This is the word of the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Quick summary, the whole point of having arrows in your quiver is to take them out, knock them, and send them off. That's, that's what the blessed man gets to be involved with in the process and gets to send them. So the message of today is, dear parents, send so let's just define our terms for a second. When I say send, I think immediately what would how that would be interpreted is, oh yeah, I've got 18 years before I send my kids off to college. Um, we're going to study this in our community groups this year, uh, this this week. Um, 
there, there is a rightful understanding of that. There is a sense that they're under your roof during a certain time, and then you send them off to be on their own, to be a, a, a young and responsible as much as they can be a young adult, uh, and send them on into adulthood. Um, that, uh, that is true and right. It's not distinctly Christian, though, because non-believers do that as well. They train up their kids, and they have the prayers uh, well, I don't know if they have the prayers, but like they have the hopes and goals to send them off um, that they would be a good, responsible citizen. Um, but when we say send, what we're what we're shooting for today is a particularly or distinct Christian definition. What I'm talking about is sending them. Uh, to be salt and light into a dying world. So when I say send, it's talking about first praying for your son or daughter to be converted, to be saved, to receive the gospel, and then to send them out to make disciples, to be a witness uh, to a lost and dying world. I don't think you can send a non-Christian to evangelize. And so we're trying to we're trying to identify and define what it means for a Christian parent to go through the process of praying through, longing for your child to become a Christian, training them up, and sending them equipped for every good work. So this is our prayer, really, that our kids would know him, that they, that they would walk with him, and that they would not just like get a nice job, but that they would, um, they would make Jesus famous with their life for the sake of his glory. And so um, with that in mind, I want to say this, um, that we as parents... Um, must begin with that end in mind. So I'll say it again. We've got to begin with the end in mind. So here, uh, just just come with me to the average home, right? Uh, like picture this, okay? It's been a long day for everybody. Dinner uh, perhaps went a little quicker than you dreamed or anticipated, envisioned. Uh, everyone was just so hungry. They just like engulfed all their food. And like rice is all over the floor. Moms and dads, don't you love meals with rice? It's just like everywhere. I don't know how, like in the 40s and 50s, I don't know how they managed with carpet in their dining room. It's just such a bad decision in my opinion. But that is not a thus set the Lord. That, you know, that's just opinion. Right? In, in one form or another, picture this, you have been instructing all day. And like at the end of dinner with like rice and just plates and bowls and cups and things spilt and napkins, you just like long to have like this gift that Mary Poppins had. You just want to like, like snap your fingers and everything just, you know, like a spoonful of sugar. It just like gets put away and cleaned just like that. Wouldn't it be awesome, right? You just want to make it so easy and wonderful. I, I just think that would be an amazing gift. And you start thinking that because it is so 
hard to clean up after dinner. And so you, in your mind, you start envisioning like, what, what would be some easier ways to accomplish this? Because my, my like zeal would be, all right, kids, like just why don't, why don't you just be dismissed from the table um, and, uh, and watch a movie or something, okay? Because you know that assigning jobs to each kid, especially when they're young, actually makes everyone's job more difficult, right? It takes longer to train. Um, but you don't want to just train them to like get up from the table and, and just go off in another room. Like you want them to be a responsible adult that like cleans up after themselves. And so like you give each one a job, but like you realize that that is costly. It's costly, especially when the four-year-old takes the plate and carries it obviously at a lower level than you would. And the dog eats everything off that plate. And like the dog crashes down the, the plate, the plate smatters and shatters everywhere, and there's tears, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? And the person who's in charge of like sweeping up the rice is getting in arguments with everyone because everyone is in the way of him or hers like business. And so like everyone's like, like walking around and they're getting, getting, and it's like a fight the whole time. It's like, I just want all this to go away. Like, everyone just, please, right? But you know that in the end, it is good to go through that process, to go through a little bit of that pain, because eventually, it's not just so that the parents' jobs will be easier, but they will be responsible young sons and daughters. They'll be good spouses one day that help out with the uh, cleaning up and they know how to wipe a table and they don't leave all the crusties on the table and they like that is the is a small microcosm of what we're talking about today let's just broaden it a little bit bigger than training a kid to sweep or to clean up afterwards let's broaden it to a christian sense Let's broaden it to what we mean by what would a biblical perspective be towards the end goal in mind with parenting? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And how is this going to work out in the end? So there's probably a million different ways to frame it, but here would be just a simple biblical answer, okay? We're taking the Great Commission. We're taking the Great Commandment, kind of marrying the two and saying, hey, we want our children to love God and others well, period. Like Jesus summarized it, like, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Or here's a way to frame it, um, like a prayer. It would be like, Lord, I pray that my kid would love you and make disciples with his life. No matter where he lives or what he does or how much he makes, no, I just, I want him to love the Lord and to love others really well. So um, I'm going to give you five practical um, points to that end. To keep in mind as you're preparing to send your children, okay? And before I give you those five points, I've got to preface it with Proverbs 22.6. You don't have to go there. Let me just read it for you. Jot it down in the margin. 
Um, this is the famous parenting verse. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, what? He will not depart from it. Right. So many have heard this verse and they read the Proverbs like they're guaranteed promises. And that's not how the Proverbs function. Um, the book of Proverbs is a book of general wisdom. It's a book of general wisdom, not equative promises. If you do this, then they'll turn out exactly like I prayed and planned. <laughs> right? So I, I've got to preface with that before I give you five things. And then you're like, well, if I do these five things, it should, it should be an equation, right? A plus B equals, but it's not. Really crummy parents have, have like, by the grace of God, raised awesome kids. I don't know how it works, but that's really awesome parents. Their kids haven't turned out the greatest. It's hard to even define that, you know? But I think you know what I mean, and I think you know my heart. So the point in parenting is not the results. It's you worshiping God in the process. You hear that? So our kids aren't a product. It's a process. That's how the Lord deals with us too. We're on a journey. We're in a process. Is that a, a fair way to preface this time? Are we together? Okay. So let's, let's start with the first one. Here we go. Prepare them to be a friend of Jesus. This is number one. Prepare them to be a friend of Jesus. So we talked a little bit about this last week, but our number one job is to show them Jesus. You're to teach them the word diligently. That's, like, that's the best way to do it. But today, we're framing it like this, to prepare them to be a friend of Jesus. So this is just in case you didn't interpret last week as my sole job is information transformation. I get in my theological dump truck and I back it up and I dump it on my kids. And so now they know all the right answers. I've done my job. They know the Pledge of Allegiance to the to American flag. They know the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible. Um, they know all the right answers for Bible trivia. We're good. But that is not knowing God. That's not having a relationship with God. So we, parents, we must, we must share with them how to be a friend of Jesus. We, we've got to share with them what it's like to walk with Jesus, telling them and showing them on a daily basis what it's like to know God. Because knowing God is intensely relational. Practically. This means that you need to share with your children. If you, if you so far have bought into this first point, that your role is to teach them and prepare them to send them by preparing them to be a friend of Jesus, then you have got to be vulnerable with how you are walking with the Lord. You, we, me, we've got to share with our kids how we are fighting our own sin. Or else they won't know how to do it. 
they'll see like some verses or whatever, but you, they've got to see from mom and dad how I'm struggling and how I'm claiming, just like we sang, I'm claiming that there's life in the resurrection of Jesus and he's resurrecting me and he's giving me life and power. We've got to share with them how the word brings life to you that day. We've got to share with them how the Spirit is comforting us in our weaknesses, in our challenges, in our decisions, how we're leaning up against Him and He is informing and guiding and teaching and directing us. It's the role of the Holy Spirit. We've got to, we've got to tell them that. Why? Because when we're teaching them God, we're teaching them a relationship with God. Why? Why why like emphasize that today? It's like the the most attractive thing about Christianity. Like all other religions can't say that the nearness of their God is our what? They can't say it's our good. Because no other God, idol that other people worship um, claim that it's near. Only Christianity identifies the living God who is far off how he has been brought near by his son, Jesus. It's, that's our gospel. And so that's what we share. So I think a great like challenge for us all from number one is look to share one vulnerable thing with your kids with how you're walking with Jesus. Cool? We good? One vulnerable thing. Number two, prepare them to be a friend of others. Friendships are one of the greatest training grounds for training your children to be sent out into the world to be salt and light. How do you teach kids to be on mission right now? Friendships. This is the way that we learn and they learn how to be and show the love of Christ to others. I would say in our house, um, the topic of friends is what consistently rises to the top. It is um, mom and dad's MO to ask more than just how was your day at school, but to know all of our kids' friends and to be consistently asking them how they are relating to their friends, to be asking about their good friends, to be asking about those friends that are hard to get along with, working through what it means to be a good friend, how to choose good friends. It is a great training ground. We are consistently talking about that over various conversations, situations. Why? Because if you know the Lord, you know that he calls you into relationship with others. If you know Jesus Christ, the Christian knows no personality test. I know that God creates each of us equal, or each of us uniquely, I should say. Um, But when God calls you on mission, which is called conversion, He calls you into relationship with others. 
So this is a big part of life. Other relationships. It's important to talk about how to teach your children how to relate and be a friend to others. And I am still learning this. Our family is still learning this. We don't have this all figured out. But this is a, a big um, portion of our life and how we are in process. Uh, remember last week when we brought up the monk or mission discussion? Remember that? We talked about what a monk is and how they operate and like flee to isolation, right? It is easy to like slip into monk mode when it comes to parenting and only like have the mindset that that friendships um, with parenting, I am I am supposed to protect my my kids from the bad friends, and I only want I, I want to control the situation by them only hanging out with good influences and good friends and good kids. Pause. The Bible has a ton of scriptures on that, and actually affirms that. Okay, teaching the scriptures. There's so much tension, isn't there? The Bible affirms that you must be very careful on who you choose for your friends. A bad company corrupts what? That's right. But you can't just operate on that mode of like always protecting and never having any sort of bad influence on your kids. If you had that mindset going on into your adulthood, you would never join a church because... There's a bunch of like bad influences there. What do I mean? There's a bunch of sinners in church. And so if you have that mindset, stay home and stay in your closet, you know, because the church is full of like messed up people. And so are schools and so are things like that. But once your child's house is built on the rock, like once it is built on a firm foundation, and while they're under your roof, you have a great opportunity to build into them of how to be a spiritual leader and influence others for Christ. For example, um, at a young age, if our children are not taught how to handle the scene when they go to a birthday party and the birthday party people, the hosts, put on a bad movie, if they don't know how to handle that situation in a, in a God-honoring Christian manner without being self-righteous, how will they fight temptation and stand up for what is right when they're older? How are we going to do that? Does this mean, well, my kid just doesn't go to birthday parties? No, that would be like monk mode, right? Or no movies. But equipping your kids... To prepare them, to send them to be salt and light would mean talking to them on how to respond and take a stand if need be. So parents, this is from number two. Parents, who are your kids' friends? Make this a big deal. Not just like snowplow parenting and like controlling the situation and, and making sure that everyone that they get along with and that's easy to get along with become their friends. Coach them on how to be a good friend to others so that they will have a mindset of my life is not my own and I'm bought with a price. I'm going to glorify God in all relationships. Think through it, moms and dads. Let's do this together on our knees.
praying. That was number two. Here's number three. Prepare them to be a godly witness. This is a, a similar point, but just different verbiage. So here's the progression that we've seen in the last three weeks. Watch this. John 15. If you abide in me and my, starts with a W, rhymes with, <laughs> and if my words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Catch that message, okay? Last week we saw that we are to teach them, and we defined them as what? Not not children yet, because it says, teach them to your children. What are we to teach? The words, the commands, the word. So let your words abide in you, right? So let, like, study Jesus, his words, know the scriptures. And then we are to teach them the words. And then what we're saying is, in order to send them well and teach them to be a godly witness, we are to equip them with words, of how to respond, how to share the gospel. What are the words? Do you see that progression? If there's anything you've learned in the last two, three weeks, it would be that right there. Like, hold on to that. John 15 to Deuteronomy 6 to uh, Psalm 127. And they all have to do with words. <laughs> so if you don't like talking, you got to get talking. Because we are a people of words. Christians love words. Not too many words, but they love the word and they love talking about the word and, and sharing it so that others would be equipped with the word to speak with words to others. Words are a big deal. This is best done by our example. This is what Raleigh shared, isn't it? Parents, they'll see what's important to you and what's important in life by how excited you get about things by what you ask about and what you pray for they they could they, they'll tell they'll know you can't trick your kids they'll know what's important to mom and dad by by like how big your eyes get when you talk about certain discussions and if you are excited about, hey, did you meet anyone that needs Jesus today? Hey, have you had the, I'm going to be praying for you today before I drop you off at school, that you would be able to encourage someone else. Hey, the verse that we were memorizing, hey, let's look together to share that with someone today. And you got to be like drooling and frothing at the mouth with excitement. I don't think I ever did anything or like by my mom or dad sitting me down and saying, this is what is important. Do this. But I saw what was important by how my parents lived and what they got excited about. My, my dad, for example, I know I've shared this before, but you're just going to have to get used to it. Okay. Like my dad, I saw the importance of loving people by watching my dad. And we would go into a bank together, emphasis on we, he would bring me in, emphasis on going into a bank. No one does that anymore, right? He would go into the bank. Hey, ladies, how we doing? You guys know my dad. Hey, Nancy, how's your son doing? Yo, oh, wow, I heard that he graduated from high school. That's such good news. Hey, Bill, how's your wife doing? Oh, how was your vacation? What's going on? He did he, 
He doesn't care about money. He was going into the bank to talk to people. He loved people. And he brought me. Why did he bring me? To teach me that people were important. I saw what he got excited about. It wasn't just manufactured. He still loves people. Doesn't he, Dave Nelson? Dave Nelson came to Christ through my dad because he loved Dave. like having you here, Dave. So, parents, teach them to be a good witness. Not by having all the right answers, but by being excited about the right things. Teaching them how to be in right relationship with God. Teaching them to be in right relationship with others. Teaching them how to ask good questions. It'll help them engage in cultural moments and conversations. Number four, prepare them to be godly spouses. Okay, I don't know if you were expecting this one, but this is really important. Since God has given marriage um, as like one of the greatest tools of witnessing, if you're preparing your kid and to send them out into the world, a chief important goal would be to show them and tell them how important it is to be a godly spouse. What do you think the best way to do that would be? I think it would be to love your spouse now really well. And guess what? Kids, listen up. To love your spouse more than your kids. I know. It sounds mean, doesn't it? It sounds so mean. I remember one time, my Sophie, this is a sermon about Sophie. I mean, she was the Yoda girl, and now she's this question. Sophie goes, Dad, who do you love more? Who do you love more? Mom or your kids? Who do you love more, me or mom? And I go, so... That's so easy. Mom! <laughs> of course, mom! And she Dad, that is so mean! I said, oh, no, it's not. No, it's not actually, Sophie. You will be provided with so much stability in this home if you know that your daddy loves your mom. It's going to be so good for you. I don't do it well all the time, but here's one thing that I would, I would encourage. Uh, let's just talk to dads for a second. Like it's my goal. When I come home with my backpack, my gym bag, um, like my, my to-go mug and water bottle, right? And I've got like, I've got everything. Like I'm a bag, I'm like full. I open up the door and I'm greeted by four sprightly daughters and my ambition, ready, is I want to get to Hannah first. And kids, listen to this. And kiss her on the mouth. Okay? Like, I want to kiss my wife on the lips. First thing. First thing. Because I've been there and I've blown it to where we've had little kids. I remember having Addie first. I came home. And I ran right to that baby. I didn't even look at Hannah. And she's like, uh, I'm still like a person, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes, I've got a lot to work on. So now I try to greet Hannah first and kiss her first. Now, what does that look like percentually in my home? Half of the time I get in the house, I've got all my stuff, and guess who beats me like, 
like who maybe like cross sections me first? It's Vince. It's my dog. It's my dog. Vince, I know. Vince comes and up on the hind legs, and he's like, I've missed you. Where is the other masculine presence in the house? Vince says. And I talk to him. I tell, oh, buddy, I've missed you too. I've got to get to my wife, but okay, let me just give you a moment here. But okay, but then I get I get to Hannah, and my are at the point stage where they think it's gross that mom and dad kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen, girl. Amen. Amen. But you know what? They like it. They like it. Secretly, they want it. They want their dad to love his bride. Deep down, do you like it, Lucy? She'll get there. She'll get there. So, uh, how, that looks. That's an example for coming in for the day. But I think another example, just to just to turn it on its side and to think it through with you guys, is uh, what would it like? What would it look like to love and value your spouse uh, at the end of the day during tuck-ins, right? Um, what would it look like to set aside one hour with your spouse at night and to make that kindly? Um, known to your children to say, I can't, I can't wait to tuck you in. Um, hey, mom and I, or, or dad and I, we're gonna, we're gonna get an hour together. And sometimes, if 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 we don't do that in our home, we don't get time together. Um, and I've shared this before, but Hannah turns into a pumpkin at ten o'clock, and so it's like it's time. It, like we've just got to be intentional, or else we won't get to talk in a day and um and that takes work and and uh, we don't always do it well um and and sometimes there's crisis and things like that so i don't want to create a culture of like legalism oh no 16 but like just shoot for it like shoot for time together and i think i think god will honor that and your kids will want that i say okay yeah i like that here's number five Prepare them to be a godly churchman slash churchwoman. So teaching our children to be godly witnesses involves teaching them to love Christ's bride, his church. So let, let's just say, let's just say we're sitting in a room brainstorming, going, I wonder if there's anything out there. I wonder if there's a place to teach like Christ's way. To fall under his schooling. To live radically different and to, uh, to live a sacrificial life towards others. I wonder if there is a mechanism or a tool or something that God has like placed for us to learn those ways. I don't think you have to look any further than the local church. This is a great gift that God has given us. So this would include, as you are preparing to send your kids, that you serve with them in your church. 
that you that you're open about your finances and you show them how to handle money in a godly manner that you show them that you value the word of god above everything and you do it with joy not like ah but hey we get to do this let's go come on church brothers and sisters uh, these are just five, right? There's so many more, but I think that this will get us started. It'll be a good, good way for us to grow in Christ and to, and to help each other in this area. This is a good thing on our lives. This is, this is the best thing in serving Christ. So I would say, let's start with the end in mind. Don't lose the forest or the trees as it goes in parenting. And remember this. I remember this quote was shared with me one time. If you want to invite someone in to go sailing, don't tell them about the material that the, that the sail is made. Don't tell them the size of the bolts that have to go into the paneling. Don't tell them about like the laborious nature of scrubbing off the, the barnacle residue. Tell them what it's like to sail. What it's like to smell the salt water in your nose and to, to feel the ocean wind just hitting up against your face. There are certainly moments in parenting where you got to scrape those barnacles off <laughs> There's certainly moments in parenting where you have to know all these details and size of shoes and, you know, keeping bins up on the garage and all, all that stuff. But this is the greatest thing that God could ever just give to you. And I pray that you would delight in this great calling. Let's pray together. We'll close our time. Come on. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. Most of you know that we're great grandparents, and um, our role as parents was very different. Then we became grandparents. And listen to that word it's grand, and what's on the end of it? Mm. Parents. That's a different role. It's very different, and you need to prepare yourself. For what you can do, eventually, is different than that stage. And then we become great grandparents. Mm. And listen to what's on the end of that word, parents. But that sphere of influence and responsibility is going to be different too. Yeah. So, as long as you have gone through that and guide you through it all. It's beautiful. Thanks, Bonnie. Hey, would you stand with us? Father, we just thank you for where you have put us, how you've uniquely gifted and made each one of us, and you granted us children. Some are parents, some are grandparents, some are great-grandparents. Lord, would you help us pass along the gospel? towards the next generation.
that they would love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that they would love others well with the good news of Jesus. We need you in this process. It's not equative. It's not easy. Would you fill us with your spirit and empower us to do what only you can do through us? We need you. So we, we delight in our weaknesses. We boast in them because we know that Christ is seen in that process. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's respond to God's word. Thank you.